It's not what we have that will make us a great nation. It's the way in which we use it. Of course, we are challenging nature itself. Delighted by views and sound. A breathtaking legacy of conservation that still enhances our lives. Into the great wide open. Oh, oh. Yes, it's summer in the parks, the national parks, with The Takeaway, our series continues. And we're asking you... What are the places that you love to visit that really represent this national treasure that the president just referred to there? 8778-MY-TAKE or post a comment at thetakeaway.org. There are national parks, of course, like Yosemite that are uh, extraordinary landscapes. And there are national monuments on park benches that celebrate a moment in American history. We'd love to hear your favorite, something that's right in your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be spectacular, but each is spectacular in its own way. And through the course of our series, we've talked with People who describe the origins of the conservation movement. Ken Burns told us that the stories the national parks tell are a story of history and our relationship uh, with the the land itself. And uh, there are other stories that the national parks tell as well, which is the setting for Michael Lanza's book, Before They're Gone, a family's year-long quest to explore America's most endangered national parks. Michael joins us from uh, his home in uh, Boise, Idaho. Uh, Michael, welcome to the program. Hi, John. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you, and I'm very envious. Boise is unbelievable this time of year. It's a great city. It's a wonderful place to live, yes. And uh, just a short hop from uh, Sun Valley, which has some very beautiful expanses of American landscape. But really, the mission of your book, Before They're Gone, is to see the story of climate change in America's national parks. Uh, Describe your mission and what you've seen. Yes, uh, John, I had um, I had done some stories for Backpacker Magazine where I'm a field editor about the impacts of climate change on parks and wilderness areas. And um, I came to realize that, you know, while we think of these these changes as far off and happening to future generations, it, there's really a lot of change underway now. And I realized that much of these things, much of these places and experiences would be very different by the time my kids who are now 11 and 9 will be my age. So I wanted to to take them to experience many of the places that I had had been in and were special to me. So take me on a tour. What were the places you wanted to visit? And give me a sense of the contrast of what you saw when you first stood on uh, some of these glaciers or looked into these mountain valleys and what they're seeing and what's likely to be the case a generation from now. Yeah, well, uh, in one year's time, um, beginning in uh, March of 2010 through February of 2011, we took 11 national park trips, and we were um, going into the wilderness, and uh, we were backpacking, um, sea kayaking, canoeing, uh, cross-country skiing, rock climbing, and we uh, we would take multi-day trips in and um, to visit places like Glacier National Park in Montana which was part of the inspiration for my book because uh, a leading federal scientist who who's, uh, runs kind of an elite team of researchers on climate change at, at Glacier National Park is projecting that those glaciers will be gone by around the year 2020. These are, you know, this park had 150 glaciers that covered almost 40 square miles in the year 1850. And in a century and a half, they're down to 27 glaciers. Um, with about a quarter of that original area, um, we now, went to now. Don't don't glaciers ebb and flow over time? And uh, I guess uh, what what evidence is there that climate change is the reason? And I'm not disputing it, but just uh, for no, the sake of our yeah, listeners, very good question. Um, very good question. And in fact, um, 
you know, the, the science and climate change is certainly uh, expanding and there are questions remaining, but glaciers are actually the, the best measure of climate warming because unlike, um, you know, plants and animals, which have, you know, respond to numerous effects in nature, glaciers respond only to, to um, seasonal temperatures. So they grow in the winter and they shrink in the summer. And if, you know, they grow more in the winter than they shrink in the summer, then they'll expand. And if it's the other way around, then they're shrinking. And in fact, you know, in Alaska, for instance, you know, our coldest state, of course, 99% of glaciers are shrinking. So that there's no scientific dispute that, um, you know, the glaciers are shrinking all over the world, in fact. So in Glacier National Park, while, you know, certainly it may not be 2020, you know, even the the scientific team there acknowledges they could last a few more years. Uh, but basically, no one disputes that those glaciers will be gone. Even now, um, you can look at historic photos and they were so much larger, you know, earlier in the 20th century. Even now, you know, many of them are, are really just glorified snowfields. What's it like to stand next to a glacier that you believe is is endangered? And what kind of questions did your children ask you? Yeah, it's, um, you know, having done the research for the book, it, it's it's kind of awesome and, and sad. Um, and to look out on these glaciers now, and many of them are broken up and and you know, in, in different pieces that are separated from one another, um, you, you realize that, you know, that glacier once filled the entire valley you're looking at that's now either bare rock or, or filled with forest. My kids would ask great questions, actually. Um, they were nine and seven the year we took this trip, these trips, and um, they, you know, they they viewed it, of course, from the perspective of of a child. But I was impressed with how well they would understand what was going on and what a great lesson this was for them. And, and, you know, even at home now, the, they talk about the trips we took, but they also talk about climate change and what it means to them and their generation and how their generation needs to solve a problem that our generation is not addressing very well. It's, it's interesting to hear that perspective from a kid. What about wildlife? Did you see wildlife in places you never expected or historically has never resided in particular areas. Uh, certainly there's a lot of talk about uh, climate changing the canopy in places like Costa Rica uh, in the jungles. But uh, what do you notice in, in these more arid and uh, more frigid places? Yeah, um, you are seeing, you know, changes. And of course, y- y- you won't always see it on a four or five day trip naturally. Um, but in um, in places like Glacier Bay, Alaska, um, the seal population is way down. We saw lots of seals. But, um, it, you know, scientists studying them there don't quite understand why the, why the seal population is down. Um, there are some rare birds in Glacier Bay that um, are found, you know, in very few other places um, that, that are diminishing in population. Um, we saw, but, you know, a lot of our wildlife experiences were just surprise encounters with a mountain goat excuse me, a mountain goat blocking the trail in Glacier National Park, for instance, or uh, bison and elk in Yellowstone right by this crossing the road in front of us or by the side of the road. So from my kid's perspective, it was really just, you know, amazing experience to see these animals. And of course, 150 years ago, you just blow it away if it was in your way. Not the case now, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> I suppose some people did. Yeah. yeah now, I noticed from your accent that you may not have been born in uh, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> may not. You're very perceptive. How did you I'm fall in love from... with this uh, backpacking life and these places in the United States? Yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts, as, as some listeners might be able to tell. Um, you know, I, I as an adult, I uh, started hiking in, in New England and New Hampshire's White Mountains one, 30 years ago when I was in my early 20s. And, um, and then I started, like a lot of Easterners, uh, I had never visited a Western National Park until I was grown up. And, you know, I went to Yosemite, I went to the Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, and uh, Glacier, these other parks, uh, Mount Rainier, and just was blown away by the scenery, frankly. And, um, it, you know, the wide open spaces, the wildlife, the the vastness of these large Western parks, and uh, my wife and I uh, shared this and and decided that we wanted to move west. And we've been out here for 14 mm. years now. Well, I'm certainly hoping that the sequel to your book, Before They're Gone, A Family's Year-Long Quest to Explore America's Most Endangered National Parks, isn't Now They Are Gone. See, I told you so. Um, <laughs> what, what's next? I, I, I'm not sure, John. Um, I, I'm working on some ideas. Uh, I would love to do another book that involves uh, taking outdoor adventures with my kids, to be honest. How old are they now? They're 11 and 9. They're about to enter uh, sixth and fourth grade. Well, uh, congratulations on all that. Favorite place of all the places you've been before we go? Boy, I get to ask that question. It's really difficult. Um, but Glacier Bay, Alaska, if I wanted to recommend one trip that all of your listeners take, go sea kayaking for a few days or multiple days in Glacier Bay, Alaska. It's uh, it's like what the world looked like 10,000 years ago when it emerged from the Ice Age. Do you always see whales when you go? You often see whales. Um, we did not, but you often do see whales. But that's that's the bonus sighting. That's the that's the twenty point bonus sighting. That's for sure. <laughs> that's uh, right. Michael Lanza, thanks so much. He's the author of Before They're Gone: A Family's Year Long Quest to Explore America's Most Endangered National Parks. He joined us from uh, Boise, Idaho. Thanks so much, and good luck this summer. Thanks for having me.